Good morning, church family. Let's have the uh, children dismissed to uh, the... Thank you. Kingdom Kids. I think for 40 years I called it Junior Church. And sometimes I want to go back to Junior Church. Uh, no, not, not literally go back there, but, well, that might be cool too. I don't, I don't know. Okay, all right, enough. It's good to be with you. Man, we have had a busy weekend, and our, our uh, church family pitched in so beautifully to bless uh, the Thompson and Severino families. And uh, at the end of the service, I'll read a card that they uh, wrote for us. Now, to start things out, uh, what's the first thing that a state trooper does as he exits the cruiser, as he exits the patrol car? What's a state trooper do? Uh, a, oh, oh, we got an answer. Huh? Okay, that was, that was A. That's what I was going to mention. A is he puts his hat on. Uh, number two, he might... Polish his badge. Uh, three, he might uh, pat, his, had his, pat his handgun like Barney Fife. Oh, the one bullet. The one, oh, that's good. Okay, so, uh, but letter D is where I'm headed. The first thing he does when he gets out of the patrol car is he pulls his pants up. Now, now it, it's, let's go to the next slide. There it is. By the time they put all the stuff on that belt, between a handgun and extra bullets and a flashlight and mace and a taser, uh, that thing is heavy, and uh, I just bring that up, and I, I failed my own joke. But listen, seriously, he represents the law. He or she represents the law. And uh, I don't need to tell you that the law of the land has been insulted by the people of the land. Now, I know, I know people like you respect authority, but I don't need to tell people like you that America has ceased to respect authority. And it's really sad. And so we stretch that from uh, the, the policeman for the town, the deputy for the county, uh, the state trooper for the, the state, or even a U.S. Marshal, or ATF for the nation. Uh, people disrespect authority in the classroom. They disrespect in the courtroom. They disrespect uh, even in the church. Even in the church. Even by people that call themselves Christians. Uh, Christians won't even carry their Bible. And, and, and people, I, I thrill, I thrill when Christians carry their Bible in their phone or their iPad. I love that. I'm not insulted by uh, a cell phone opened up if it's opened up to the Bible or if you're into a program where you're taking notes. I thrill over that. Uh, but, but, but listen, <clears throat> we've got to get back to being a people that read the Bible. And that's what this message is to teach you about the Bible that I might, I hope, I'm encouraging us to get back into the Word the way God's people once were in the word and i hope that for us there is indeed a lack of respect for god's word today uh, in this book here i talked about it for several sundays just just to mention just to mention uh this is the american worldview inventory it was a survey done and over 2021 and 2022 so it's hot off the press it's, it's hot off the press 
And they're reporting the world, the different worldviews of Americans. And that's what this book is about. And it says, and I'm, let me quote this, Americans are neither deep nor sophisticated thinkers. We have, this is a survey, people passed back in. This is what the conclusion was. We have largely abandoned logic and analytic thinking in favor of emotional satisfaction. Most people are more interested, I'm still quoting, more, most people are more interested in a life of comfort and convenience than one of wisdom and righteousness. And that comes into the churches. That goes into the churches of America as well. The world has robbed, uh, the world has robbed authority in every plane that can be imagined. And it's even been robbed in the home where children do not respect some. I know it's not true in your home, but in some homes, the children do not respect the, the parental authority as well. And so Americans surveyed, again, it, it's, it's in the book that I've, I'm using today, 91% do not believe that people are born into sin and need a Savior, Jesus Christ. High percentage of Americans believe in God. They just do not believe in the atoning work of Jesus. 88%, 88% say they get their moral guidance from somewhere else other than the Bible. 88% of Americans. 76% contend that good people can earn a place in heaven by being good. 76% of Americans believe that. 75% do not believe the Bible is the basis for all truth. 71% do not believe that the Bible is the true and reliable communication from God. And so I want to talk about the Word of God this morning. And since uh, these are the, the, the surveys were passed back in, they were mailed back in, and, and this is what they said. This, these are your neighbors. This may be your, your relatives. Uh, but listen... How does this show up in society? Here's how it shows up. Now, again, I'm, I'm still, I hate to say I'm still quoting the book, but uh, we don't know this kind of stuff unless we read. And surveys are done, and people pass those surveys back in. The Bible is not our standard anymore. So, 83% says it's morally okay to have sex outside of marriage. 67% say it's morally acceptable to go over the speed limit. Now, I know you're fist pumping the air right now. Yeah, I'll go over the speed limit. Would you do 50 through a school zone while kids are outside at school buses? Of course not, but people do. You wouldn't pass a school bus that's letting kids out, but people do. <clears throat> they say it's morally acceptable. 59% say it's morally okay to have an abortion because raising a child is too stressful. That's what they say. I, boy, when I was getting ready for this message this past week, I thought of a cartoon of a little baby. In the little picture there, the PowerPoint slide, a little baby. And you know the bubble where they, they, you talk and you put the words in the little bubble? Of course you do. And the baby said this, it's my body, it's my choice. Yeah, we need that cartoon. The baby said, it's my body, it's my choice. 
We need that. Lying to protect a reputation. 58% of Americans say they would lie to protect themselves. Since our culture and our country are coming apart, I, I was listening to, you guys ever watch Rick Steves Europe? Uh, public TV on Saturday, I guess it's on Saturday here. But uh, Rick Steves Europe, I was watching it this past week and he was talking about Amsterdam. And Amsterdam has legalized everything. And uh, <clears throat> he describes Amsterdam, and I'm going to quote, <clears throat> And I thought, man, oh man, that's America. That's America. And his quote, Rick Steves said that Amsterdam, they are an easygoing hedonism. The flesh. Easygoing hedonism. I said, that's America. That's America. The flesh is all that matters. And so the word of God has uh, been attacked. But listen, the word of God's always been attacked. When was the first time the Word of God was attacked? In the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, where the Satan said, you can partake of the fruit, and she said, we cannot partake of the fruit. And God said, we cannot partake of the fruit, and he said, you can take of that fruit. No, God knows that you'll be as smart as him if you take of that fruit. You do want to be smart and know all things. Listen. The Word of God has been attacked. It's also been attacked through the Old Testament time period. Would you take time to turn over to <clears throat> your scriptures to uh, Jeremiah 36? Jeremiah 36. Now, I'm, I'm heading down to 23 and 24 is where I'm going, but let me set it up. <clears throat> Jeremiah 36, Old Testament text. It's the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. The fourth year of Je King Jehoiakim. And Jeremiah has been preaching, thus saith the Lord. Jeremiah has been preaching what, the what, the, what was prophesied to him from God. And he has been preaching for 23 years. You think making an impact on the king and country, right? Well, the political tide, just like in America... The political tide has turned against the teaching of God. They no longer respect God nor what God had to say. So Jeremiah prophesied calamity was going to come upon the house of Judah. The, and the, the servant Jehudi is reading the scroll that, that uh, Jeremiah has written out. He did not read three or four columns of this manuscript. And the king took it out of his hands and took a scribe's penknife and began to shred the word of God and threw it into the fire. Now, that's verse 23. 24 continues the degradation and the state of the hearts and minds of the king and his men. It says, yet the king and his servants who heard all these words were not afraid, nor did they rent their garments. That means they did not tear their garments. Because in that culture, when bad news, the calamity that your kingdom is going to be destroyed, when bad news comes, they would uh, tear their clothes and they would throw uh, ashes and they would mourn to let God know how sorry they were. And the Bible says in verse 24, the king was not sorry. He did not fear God at all. And, and that is our country today. Even when others pleaded to the king, do not burn the scroll, he would not listen. 
the authority of the word in a world where there's no authority. And that's what you are living amongst, a people that there is no authority anymore. <clears throat> I love Judges 21, 25, but I don't like what it's saying. It says everyone, uh, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Even when the prophetic word is being proclaimed by the prophets. And it's true today. The word is being proclaimed on TV, on radio, uh, in people's homes, home Bible studies, uh, in churches all across the land. But the word is not being respected. And so I want us to consider our Bible today. Number one, our Bible is comprised of 66 books. 39 of those books are Old Testament books and 27 are New Testament. Uh, it's comprised, the Old Testament is comprised of law, poetry, um, history, and prophecy. New Testament, very similar. You've got the four Gospels. You've got the book of Acts as history. You've got the letters, and then you've got the book of Revelation, which is prophecy. And uh, some wrote what God told them to write, and some wrote what they had witnessed with their own eyes. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. It started about 1,400 before Christ, and they wrote the apostles right on up to about 95 or 100 A.D. And so uh, all of them wrote with a singleness of mind. Can you imagine 40 different prophets, 40 different authors of these books, writing over a period of 1,400 years? It's amazing. But they all wrote about... Man needs a redeemer, and God is sending that redeemer. The theme stays the same throughout the entire book of the Bible. And so God will save, and that's a beautiful message. The Old Testament documents were collected and preserved by the Jewish priests. The New Testament documents were preserved by the church. Uh, in fact, it was early church councils that confirmed uh, which writings were inspired works and which writings were from good Christian men, but they were not inspired. And the inspired works made it into uh, our Bible that after the printing press in the 1500s came into a neat little book for us to carry, and, and we should be carrying it. Now, <clears throat> it's for our edification. It is also that we can be saved. Now, the Christian churches have used uh, a picture of a train engine, a coal car, and uh, a caboose. And uh, you can see already what's in the different parts. And the first part is uh, the, the facts of the Word of God. The coal car is our faith. And in the caboose uh, it is the results, the feelings that can come out of knowing God and obeying God. And, and there are a lot of great feelings in knowing God and obeying God. But what's happened? It, it, when there's no authority in the land, we have gone from the facts of the Word of God to now our faith is in our feelings. And that's why you see a change in churches across the land. That's why you see a change in our country. The faith is in our feelings. Our faith is in the feelings, in the caboose. We've switched it. And, you, you know, all your life you've heard, I've heard, heard it all my life, that uh, America is going to hell in a handbasket. You ever heard something, that somebody's going to hell in a handbasket? Listen, if the churches don't get back to the Word of God, if we don't get back to the Word of God, 
Why would we be any different? We must cherish the Word of God. Now, the Bible answers questions like, who, who is God? And uh, how did we get here? Um, what are we doing here? The Bible answers that. And it also answers, what is the ultimate fate of people that live by faith? And what is the ultimate uh, fate of those that will not walk by faith in Jesus Christ? And then, uh, secondly today, our Bible is inspired. Well, inspired, in inspiration means God breathed. God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16. Uh, Paul, who was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, he said, he wrote, all scripture is inspired by God. That is, all scripture is God breathed. God spoke it. And things happened. And the word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, that is to prove again, uh, for correction, for training in righteousness. It, it, it is that God spoke the word and things began to happen. And so let's go to the book of Genesis, the first chapter. You can find that first book of the Bible easy. And uh, with the first chapter, verses 1 and 2. Let's read there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and, and there was light. When God speaks, things happen. I want you to go to the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 21. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Last book of the Bible, chapter 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the end of time. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them. Look what's going to happen. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But, but verse 8 changes the pace. It changes the tone. And it gives no hope for those that are ashamed of God. No hope for those that are ashamed of the Bible. Because it says, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, there's your 58% of America, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. My friends, put your faith in Jesus Christ and read and study his word. Know the word. How can you know Jesus if you don't know the word? Because the word tells us about Jesus. 
Stay in the word and go to 2 Peter. So that's right before Revelation. Uh, 2 Peter in chapter 1 and uh, verses 16 and uh, following. 16. For we did not follow... Uh, that's the second letter of Peter. Well, that's where I asked you to go. Sorry about that. But we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he, he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. You guys remember the story of the transfiguration? Peter, James, and John were there with Jesus, and Moses and Elijah came. He transfigured, he glowed before them. That's what that's talking about. Verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Boy, America needs to hear that. Because anytime the word is spoken, people say, well, that's what you believe. That's what you believe. And it says in the Bible, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's how we received the word of God. And so uh, men were given this message. And when men received the message, they could not help but share it. How do we know? Well, we have the words of the Apostle Paul in Corinthians where he said, Oh, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And then how about Jeremiah in chapter 20 where he said that this word is a fire in my bones and I'm weary of, I'm weary of holding it in. I cannot endure it. He had to share it. Wow. The world which has no authority doesn't want the Bible as their authority. Christ has been ridiculed, put down. Uh, anytime you express any word of faith, uh, doubt is cast upon what you believe. And then I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Can you take time to turn there? 1 Peter, in the back of the New Testament, we find in chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12, 1 Peter 1, 10, 11, and 12. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ in the glories to follow. Verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which, listen to this, even angels longed to look. Even the angels that served God from the beginning looked forward to how it was going to be fulfilled by God. 
and it came through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ made all people groups of the earth one people when they come to Jesus in faith. I love that. In uh, this passage of Scripture, they made careful search and inquiries. Did you pick up that in verse 11? They wanted to know the truth and nothing but the truth. And the message and the story of Christ was told. What we have today came to us by inspired men. And men and women, when they caught the vision and the fire of Jesus Christ, cannot be stopped in sharing the wonderful story, the good news, that we can have life and life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Angels themselves longed to see how the plan was going to unfold. Jesus himself questioned people when they questioned the word. Let's look at that in John's Gospel, chapter 5. John's Gospel, chapter 5, starting with verse 37. John 5, 37 and following. Boy, the Jews that day are giving Jesus a time. There's really a battle of words going on. And Jesus breaks it down this way. 37. And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. Why? Why didn't they? They were Jews. Why didn't they have the word abiding in themselves? He goes on. For you do not believe him who sent him, wh wh whom he sent. And they don't believe in Jesus. They do not believe the word. You search the scriptures, Jesus said, because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and yet you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus is endorsing the Old Testament prophets, especially Moses, in what Moses wrote about Jesus. And so we hold on to those words as well. Listen, <clears throat> the Bible from cover to cover says that we who walk by faith in Jesus Christ, we win. We win. Don't give up hope. Those who seek honor and fame and glory in God, well, actually seeks God's honor and God's glory win. And so it's not based on your intellect or the lack of intellect. It's not based upon wealth or the lack of wealth. It's not based on social standing or our feelings, but it's based upon faith in the Son of God. 
It's based upon faith. I, I, I loved your devotion this morning for communion and getting us to quote those facts of the gospel, those things that we accepted Christ as our Savior because of those things. And to be able to say them publicly and confirm them in our heart and in your hearing as we each say those things to one another, it, it's, it's beautiful. But being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not, it, it is not only about God and, and, and giving our, our control up and, and allowing God to have our lives. It, it's, it's embracing brokenness. We, we don't like to admit we're broken, do we? And, and yet we are. And, and, and it's about submission, and it's about surrender, and it's about sacrifice, and it's about simplicity. And yet, boy, when I say those words today, for, for us in America, it's, it's almost like I'm destroying the American dream right before you. It feels like I'm out of step. Creighton said something wrong. Because doesn't the Constitution of our United States guarantee the right to happiness? No, it doesn't. It guarantees the right to pursue happiness. You can choose a hundred lifestyles that will not bring you happiness in America. The Constitution says to pursue happiness. And how you choose that pursuit will determine whether you're going to be miserable, depressed, or you're going to walk with a spring in your step and a smile on your face. It just makes a difference <clears throat> on how we serve. I want to close with this. I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 2. You, you recognize uh, the, after the Gospels, we have the history book of the church, and it's in uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. The first sermon was preached. He pre Peter preached about the, the life of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, how it was fulfilled by uh, the scriptures were spoken in the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled that. And, and then he gets down and, and they repented of their sins and were baptized. But it gets on down to 42 and it says this. And they were continually devoting themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. This is what the church practiced when they assembled. This is what they did on, on a weekly basis. And, and it says they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Beautiful. That's what we try to practice here. But in light of the message today, it's the apostles' teaching. What's teaching? It's doctrine. And some of the translations you carry says the apostles' doctrine. They continually stayed in the apostles' teaching. And that's what we encourage you to do. My invitation to you today is to join a Sunday school class. My, my, my uh, invitation today is that you would be part of a, a small group Bible study. My, my request and my hope and my desire for you, my prayer, I prayed about this, is that we would carry our Bibles again and be a people of the book and not be ashamed of it. If you want to know the God of this book, then spend time with the God of this book. When he spoke these words, they're God-breathed. They're inspired. The book should be opened to read about those inspired words. Understand, because of John 15, we cannot have life apart from Christ. Understand, because of John 5, we cannot know Christ if we don't know the Bible. 
The Bible is Jesus' words. And we must know the book to know Jesus. And so the invitation is, is simply, let's get, fall in love with the book again. Let's get back to being a people that know the book so well that we can give someone book, chapter, verse for what they're asking about. And let's fall in love with the Jesus of this book. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I celebrate. I love this book. And, and Father, we don't worship this book. We worship you. We worship the Christ of this book. And so, dear God, I ask, uh, I ask for the church, dear God, to come along and pick up the Bible again and to love the Bible. And I pray that we'll read it. Read it every day. But I pray, dear God, that we'll obey it. That we'll obey it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.